Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Joshua Scott just mentioned in the prayer that this is a challenging text, and it is indeed. I'm reading from John's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 56 through 69. Jesus said, Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died, but the one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching at the synagogue, Capernaum. (laughs) When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This teaching is difficult. Who who can accept it? But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But among you there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who were the ones that did not believe and who was the one that would betray him. And he said, For this reason, I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked the twelve, Do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Well, at the beginning of chapter 6, In this Gospel of John, we're told the story about this large crowd following Jesus. And of course, it makes sense because Jesus is now established as the miracle worker. And there's also this chatter going on that this rabbi from Galilee might also be the long-awaited Messiah. So most of this crowd that just keeps coming and adding and adding are not really devoted disciples. Most of them just curious at this point. They're wanting to learn more about the carpenter's son from Nazareth who is all the stir, who's the talk of the town right now. And this crowd just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing until there's a scene where Jesus on the far shore of Galilee and there is this horde of humanity that gathered there with him and they start getting a little bit grumbly because it's long past lunchtime 
And this time, the crowd gets to witness a miracle themselves. Because Jesus borrows and blesses the lunch of a young boy, and all of a sudden, the whole mountainside is fed. Well, that evening, Jesus and a few of his longtime followers get on a boat, head across the Sea of Galilee. Uh, this time, uh, when the larger crowd looks around for Jesus, they don't find him anywhere. They found out he's gotten on a boat. He's gone to the other side. So they start scrambling for boats so they can go to the other side too. And why wouldn't they? He's the miracle worker. They've just witnessed this amazing miracle on the hillside, back on the far shore. Jesus docks his boat in Capernaum on the north shore. A fishing village, vibrant, prosperous trade center. And while he's in town, this wildly popular rabbi is invited to come preach in one of the synagogues in town, teach in the synagogue there in Capernaum. Well, I suppose every seat was taken, and men, women, and children craning their necks at the doors and the windows just trying to get a peek of this guy that everybody's talking about. I imagine that his Closest disciples, those attending him into the room, probably got there early enough for a front row seat. They'd been with him since Jesus called for them to drop their nets and follow. And I imagine they're on the front row eager to see him do his thing, ready to, to hear him open his mouth and offer the words that are so compelling and gripping that they just dropped everything to follow him. He talks about the kingdom of God in ways that just grab people. And then Jesus stands to speak. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died, but the one who eats this bread lives forever. Huh? Now, a lot of those people packed into the synagogue left before the benediction. They made their way to the exits long, long before the postlude. Who says this? I mean, it, it's not just that it's in the Hebrew Scriptures that it's clearly forbidden to drink blood, but does that really need to be in the Scriptures? I mean, yuck. Did this guy really just say from the pulpit, those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them? Well, the disciples are completely dumbfounded. I mean, here was this, this great opportunity for evangelism. The crowd was gathered. The crowd was eager. And instead of preaching one of those sermons that the people really like, right? the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. That's one of his good ones. 
Blessed are the meek. No, no. Jesus has got this eager, gathered crowd, and he starts off with the sermon, whoever eats me will live. Well, a couple of days ago, there were 5,000 people on a hillside just delighting in this user-friendly gospel. This abundant water to wine, kind of loaves and fishes, Jesus. But now they're walking away from the synagogue in Capernaum. And I tell you, they're not nearly 5,000 people hanging on now. Jesus is walking ahead. They're leaving town. Disciples behind him. They're complaining. I mean, they're scratching their heads. They don't know what just happened back there. They're asking each other, what did just happen? And Jesus turns and asks them, does this offend you? Our scriptures don't record an answer. Does this offend? Yes, it offends. And Jesus intends it to and to disrupt. You see, here they are in this prosperous fishing village where consumerism thrives and buying and trading and selling has become the most popular religion. Now I know that was way back then. Y'all have to stretch your imaginations, right? To just think of a time when buying and selling and trading were the religion of the day. And they hear about this rabbi who just seems to be the fulfillment of all human wishes. He heals withered hands, feeds the multitude, he quiets the storm. He's the cosmic Santa Claus. I have lots of stuff, lots of pleasure, but this guy, he can fulfill even more of my wishes and fill my stocking full of toys. And Jesus is going right at it. He says it's the spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. Useless. All this consumer-driven desire focus, make me happy stuff is useless. Our ancestors ate bread from heaven. But it just satisfied the day's hunger. They died, you know. You just don't get it. Buying and selling, gathering and eating, that's, there's a human hunger that can only be satisfied with a full-born all-in. A full commitment to all of the gospel, all of it, even the uncomfortable, incomprehensible parts of the gospel. The one who eats this bread will live forever. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. There is a mystery, a depth, a hidden reality, a second floor. There are things beyond understanding, things that are just too hard to swallow. Well, not surprisingly... Another group of followers had just heard enough. 
They took the kids by the hand and just headed back home. Don't you dare attack consumerism. They were in for the messianic hope. They were there hoping that this might be the warrior who would restore Israel to prominence. They were in for that wish fulfillment part. But this guy's gone too far. Eating flesh, drinking blood. I just can't embrace a mystery that's beyond my understanding. And what this guy's talking about is beyond any categories I've ever heard of. I just can't go there. In the next scene, it's Jesus and just 12 guys. Right? He's down from 5,000 to 12 in just a few days. Jesus never wrote a book on church growth. Jesus turns to the 12 and says, do you also want to go away? You have to think about it, right? I mean, we give up our Sundays when other people are at Piedmont Park. We eat spaghetti together on Wednesday nights in a fellowship hall instead of going to Howl's or the Braves game. We get up in the morning, lamp and coffee, and read ancient translated texts instead of the New York Times bestseller list. We give 10% of our money away. Who does that? We just hand it over. Instead of buying a nicer car or paying off the old one. We agree to follow all the way, all in, even when we don't understand, agree, or approve. Most of the crowd has left. Look around the sanctuary. Most of the crowd has left. This is not the cosmic Santa Claus people thought they were following. Some people left when Jesus didn't come through for them like they expected, like they wanted, like they hoped. So I get it. It's a hard gospel. It's a hard road. And because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer with, with him. And I get it. Fleming Rutledge is an Episcopal minister. She told a story about meeting a woman when she spoke at a summer chapel service at one of those vacation colonies. Now, you might not have met this exact woman, but you've met this woman somewhere. This, this vacation colony chapel, every Sunday, the chapel was packed because it was just kind of the thing to do. And, and many of the people who were packing the summer chapel had no other church affiliation whatsoever. But they came to the summer chapel at the vacation colony 
because it was just so vogue. Well, that night, she was invited to a dinner party after having preached that day, and she was just interested. She's asking about this peculiar congregation where a whole lot of them aren't even believers. And one couple told her that for them, the summer chapel service was a social occasion and a time for the lusty singing of hymns, but that they weren't believers in any sense of the word. Reverend Rutledge asked why, and the wife spoke up firmly and decisively, because I do not need it. Some don't follow Jesus because the way is too hard, but some are just so sophisticated and self-assured, they declare they don't need it. But Jesus turns to the twelve and asks, Do you also wish to go away? I imagine a long pause, a serious gulp, side glances at each other. I mean, think about it. Everybody else has left. They said, in essence, I don't need it. And remember that this guy who looks just like us has just said the only way to live, to really live, is to eat his flesh and drink his blood. Simon Peter especially would have been offended. He's the keeper of the tradition, if anybody is. He won't eat meat uh, with traces of blood in it because it violates the Jewish diet laws. Jesus asked, do you also wish to go away? Why would these 12 hang on to such an impossible call when everybody else, everybody else has headed home? And finally, Simon Peter says, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Once you have glimpsed God, there's no other place to turn. Once you've seen truth in its purest, gleaming form, you can't undo that. I will embrace the mystery beyond what I can comprehend because I've seen God. Alive in this man from Galilee, where, where, where else can I turn? Once you've been swept up by the embrace of forgiveness, once you've peeked in and seen the, the treasures of eternal life that start now in this world in the person of Jesus and end up in glory... Once you've tasted that for real, Lord, to whom can we go? We've come to believe that you are the Holy One of God.
Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church.